He literally just ran straight over Tony Underwood. Here it is for Johnny. Has he done it? He sure has. Drop goal to Blanco. Up it goes. Could you believe it? And that surely is the stairway to rugby heaven. Hello everyone and welcome to our final preview of the 2015 Rugby World Cup Big One. I am Sean Maloney, joined by Stephen Hoyle, Super Rugby Champion, Wallaby and ex Brumbies Captain, and Sam Worthington, foxsports.com.au journo. And fellas, that's my drum roll. Look at it go. Boom! Seven weeks has come to this. Australia VNZ, how freaking good. Well... Four years, to be honest, has come to this, Sean. Seven week of, of, you know, for the Wallabies, relatively the whole seven weeks has been really hard. Four four weeks in particular. You know, the quarterfinals started two weeks early for the Wallabies, so no one really gave the Wallabies a huge chance to get here. The whole pool of death worked out in our favour, and, you know, I, I, along with a lot of people, were hoping for a New Zealand Wallabies final, and we, we get that. We've never had that in a World Cup, so... You know, it's a massive, massive occasion for Australian rugby. Yeah, just the dream final, isn't it? Uh, obviously couldn't have scripted it any better. And it, it's a bit of an anomaly that we haven't had it already. Um, obviously, two of the stronger rugby nations um, just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. I think three semi-finals they've, they've met in, haven't they? 2-1 um, to, to the Aussies so far. So hopefully uh, hopefully the good guys can level that up on, on Sunday. I Hang think on. it never happened that way because the Kiwis Hang kept on. choking. That's why it never got that way. <laughs> That's we, right. We got to a few finals. Just beat them by a better opponent. No, no, uh, no need for choking. Was just, yeah, uh, I'm not sure how you. <laughs> yeah, some demons there certainly for New Zealand fans, isn't there? Even if they lose this game, do you think that'll be classified as choking if they lose this one? I'm sure it will be, just because they are, you know, the the number one ranked team, and and everyone's. Not everyone, but most, I guess, neutral uh, fans are, are tipping them to win. So, yeah, they do they do get that choking tag. I think it's a little bit unfair. I think, ironically, I think that last final was probably the closest they have come to choking against France. They they really were tightening up in that game, and that that was actually choking. I think, but uh, Stephen Beaver Donald managed to to just kick them to glory. That was four years ago. How <laughs> quickly does four years go in the world of rugby? I mean, gosh, it was just like it was yesterday. Yeah. So much has gone on in between for both those countries. So much has changed, been turned on its head, particularly from an Australian point of view. And I was thinking about this just the other day. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that last year Australian rugby, and I don't mind saying it as you know someone who um, it makes my living off the back of the code uh, and loves it as a fan, but Australian rugby was on its absolute knees following their tour of Argentina last year, the whole Di Patchton case, KB issues. Um, your McKenzie resigns October last year. Now look at us, a year on, almost to the day, and wow. Well, even besides the, the drama that was going on within the Wallaby camp, but even off-field, like the finances of the, the code were, from all reports, like, you know, let's say on the bones of their ass, people were saying. And mm-hmm. the fact is they've got a new TV rights deal that's about to be announced soon, which we're all hearing. We've heard for months that it's going to boost the numbers from the previous record. So, you know, the AAU have been hanging on to that. They've done it. Whoever's involved in that has done a, a great job. But on the back of this, everything's been on the back of the success of the Wallabies. Like, you can have... In rugby, is really interesting. You can have every other aspect of your game in shambles, but if your Wallabies are winning, then the code is viewed as going really well. Uh, in league, it's the opposite. Like Everything's got to be going perfectly for the game to be succeeding. So, yeah, I think the Wallabies... Again, Michael Checker's only been coached for 12 months. Mm-hmm. You know, he had, he had two jobs this year for six months of the year, 
and you know he's made a, a massive difference to that side as he did with Leinster in, in Ireland as he did with the Waratahs he's a he's a change agent really that's his strengths and um, you know 12 months 12 months so much has changed for the Wallabies yeah I was speaking with Daryl Gibson this morning actually for another story and he raised the exact same point like the, the two teams you couldn't have a bigger contrast because the All Blacks have just been so settled they've had this uh, this plan to roll out over the four years Steve Hansen took over from Graham Henry he's had Richie McCaw there running the show the whole way through they've gradually brought through the younger players um, it's been a very deliberate build up whereas Australia's just been all over the show let, let's face it uh, coaching changes all these off field dramas and and, and Daryl made that point that just what an incredible job Michael Cech has done in, in less than 12 months, like you say, juggling the, the, the Waratahs job as well. Um, he, he's had to make some huge calls on senior players. Um, so, yeah, you, you just got to, whatever happens this weekend, um, certainly Michael Cech has got to be the, the rugby coach of the, of the year worldwide. Well, you, you go, Sean, sorry. Well, he's a figurehead, right? So Michael Cech is a figurehead, and he's the one who installs and kicks along this, I love that term, agent of change. But you've got to have buy-in from players and you've got to have senior guys uh, who are happy to, to follow that mantra, to, to suck it up. You've got to have a total buy-in from the entire squad. And I think that's what we're seeing. From the outside looking in, it looks like they are all 100% clued in and geared in with this World Cup in mind. Everything else has fallen to the wayside. Yeah, well, just quickly on, on the New Zealand coaching side of things, I don't think they're getting the accolades they deserve either because everyone says the hardest thing in sport is staying at the top. You know, getting there is one thing, but staying there is another. And the, the All Blacks have just been immense since basically since that disaster in 2007. Ever since then, they've changed the whole mantra of the All Blacks and it's you hear so many positive things about it. So, you know, Steve Hansen and those guys, while they might not be named coach of the tournament or, who, or get the accolades that they deserve, without doubt, they're, you know, they are once-in-a-generation coaching staff on their own. But in terms of the players buying in, I, I look at that and I think players for years have wanted to be a part of something bigger than just rugby. And, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in what you do and the, the well-paid players and whatnot, but essentially they want to be involved in changing the game for the good. And Michael Checker, he teaches players or he, he educates them on why they're trying to uh, improve things. And at the Waratahs, he addressed the issues, whereas other coaches in the past didn't address them. They, there was issues with the style of footy at the Waratahs and the fans weren't turning up and... You know, it was almost like you can't mention the fans, you can't mention the style of footy, you just got to win. That was pre-Michael Checker. He came in and said, to change the whole perception of New South Wales rugby, we have to play a good style of footy, we have to get the fans back. He forever mentioned the fans, and it's good to see coaches being real and you know, making players appreciate the fact that fans and, fans and families are spending 50 to 100 bucks to come to a Super Rugby game, and some of them are spending probably over 1,000 bucks to go and watch a World Cup final, and you know, it's a lot of money for, for, for some people. And you finally see the Wallabies out there understanding just the significance of that jersey they're wearing. It's been all the way through this cup, that reference to people back home and (coughs) excuse me, saying it's great, they're getting up, they're watching, they're supporting, they're a long way out, they're a long way away, but hey, they're there with us. And they're acknowledging that. Yeah, they're thanking people for setting the alarms and getting up early and watching us and yeah, in years gone by, you kind of get a token thank you, but (laughs) you, you actually see at the moment that they genuinely care and I know that the coach would be reminding them of just the impact that that the fans, or that sorry, that this team is having on the country. I think it's the first time in f- since probably the Lions in 2013. No, the one before that, 2001. 2001. So it seems to me the first time that people are actually really proud of the Wallabies again. Yeah, yeah. they are. I mean, well, people are really proud of them. You see jerseys. I was walking up Pitt Street the other day. Had a guy I'd never met before running the other direction, going the other way. He says, "Hey, go the Wallabies." Never met him before. I said, "Yes, mate, go the Wallabies." Yeah, high five that. <laughs> I high fived him on the way through. Yeah. That's how. That's the extent and the reach now that they're getting because they are representing the country, 
so well. And maybe because you've got your own TV show now, the cup runneth over. Maybe <laughs> that was it. <laughs> no, that's not it. Yeah, that was that's just a humble brag. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think this will do um, for rugby in general, this run at the World Cup? Do, do you think there's going to be a spike in, in interest in, in crowds that will, will carry over to, to Super Rugby? It seems like the Wallabies brand is very strong, but, but Super Rugby, it's hard to, even off the back of this, it's hard to really sort of take it to another level, isn't it? Well, it's, it's a really interesting question, that, because the Waratahs won it two years ago. They they probably failed to capitalise from a member's point of view. The Reds mm. did in 2011, and, and they did a really good job, job in jumping up members, member numbers and whatnot. So it'll be a huge one for the Wallabies. The, the difficult thing for the RU is they don't get to see the Wallabies together until middle of the year next year against England. Thankfully, it is England, so they'll always draw a good crowd. But, yeah, on, on the back of this, you hope that the, the people involved in negotiating sponsorship rights and merchandise deals and whatnot, I think it's... You know, they should really capitalise on this, but it's hard to it's hard to tell until you see that you know the next Wallabies game. The 2012 Super Rugby season, we saw a, a big drop off. It was a, a big dip off the back of the 2011 World Cup. Maybe it was the way that Australia got bounced out by New Zealand in the semi final. There, I just get the impression and the feeling that around '99. So you look at the way that 1999, when Australia won the World Cup, beat France, transitioning into 2000, 2001. We've got another four good years. Essentially. We were able to carry that momentum as a code and as fans and as a quality of team through to the next World Cup. Then it went to pieces off the back of that around the time that you started to represent Halsey. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think that was just a coincidence. <laughs> <to be sure. laughs> anyway, so if, that, if, if we can find a way to get it done the, this, uh, this coming weekend, I think it will be enormous for the code. It's just so big for the code. There's some great ambassadors, aren't there, across the board in this Wallabies team, you know, throughout the forward pack, David Pocock, obviously Stephen Moore, um, yeah, I'm forgetting a few people here, but uh, Israel Folau at the back, of course, like just obviously the, the, they're working harder as a mantra that the All Blacks have, you know, better people make better All Blacks, I think Michael Check is doing the same thing with the Wallabies and, and some great role models there after, you know, a bit of nonsense last year, Steve. Yeah, I think the, the, the key difference there is now you have a, a coach who clearly sits as top dog or, you know, the, the biggest name in the room. He doesn't allow for any players to get ahead of themselves. And you need that because I think in the years gone by, we saw a lot of young guys get given Wallaby jerseys early based on, you know, potential and form. And th- there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I got my, my go earlier than I thought I would. But I also had guys in the side that if I got carried away, they'd clip me across the head. You wouldn't sit up the back of the bus. You know, you could be cheeky like, you know, the Giddos and whatnot, but you always showed respect. And I think they're because of the the c- lack of control at the top, and I, I mean the Robbie Deans era, there was just players there, you know, not really understanding the privileged position they're in, and, and that doesn't happen anymore. Players walk in, and, yeah, they probably copied the All Blacks or the Swans, you know, the no-dickhead policy, better All Blacks make better players, all that sort of stuff. Um, and the Wallabies, there's no shame in, in following that because Michael Check has jumped on it. He's realised that it's an area where we can improve and you've got a really humble, hard-working side that the Australian fans, you know, they want to get up at two in the morning and, and turn on and support. Indeed, indeed. All right, let's turn our attention to the game. We've wrapped up where they've come from, where are they going to, how are they going to possibly lift the William Webb Ellis Cup at Twickenham in the sunshine this coming Sunday morning for us here in Australia. Uh, do we want to go the technical angle here? Do you want to talk technicalities around the game? I mean, what will happen uh, at the breakdown? How do they negate Pocock? Do you just send people out to try and maim him if you're an All Blacks coach? Well, maim him, get him out of the game. Can you, though? Does it work? No, you, you can't get a guy like that out of the game because at the same time, you just want to try and minimise his, his involvement or his, his effect there. But I, I always think when you play these games, Kiwis, Australia, you play these guys individually, you, 
you're probably coming up against these guys for the fifth or sixth mm. time this season. So you know the individuals pretty well. You rarely see... I doubt Pocock will have the influence he's had against Argentina and Scotland, or he didn't play against Scotland, you saw against Wales and England, he, as he will against the Kiwis. I just think the Kiwis know his style of footy. That's not to say that he won't be you know, dominant on the field, but I just think that they know each other so well, so the influence on the key players won't be as drastic. But I don't know. There's, the thing that concerns me for the Wallabies is they've just had a, a much harder entry, so I think that can help them in a way. They're, they're match hardened. But I think at the same time, the Kiwis just might be a little bit fresher. So the big challenge to the Wallabies is how they use their bench, who've been excellent when they get on. It's just a matter of that back 20 minutes, you know, we, we, we can't be chasing down a lead. Obviously, that's a pretty obvious statement. But we need to be in a position where we're in control of the game because I don't think we'll have the running in our legs late in the game. We look pretty tired. Is there not a flip side to that, though? Given they've gone through the harder route, there's no doubt about that. Nobody would dispute that. That in your mind, psychologically, when you are in a tough spot against the All Blacks, you can think to yourself, hey, or you can look around your teammates and go, you know what, boys, don't worry about it. We've been, we were here against Wales, you know, and we managed to hold them out. Yeah, don't worry about it. Same against Argentina, 60th minute, mate, under the pump somehow find a way to hang on and hang in there. So does it not through that repetition of getting it done in a tough manner steal you more mentally? Oh, it does without doubt. And I cert- I'm certain the Wallabies are in a, a better place mentally than they've been well, for those players ever as a Wallaby. But I, I look when the full-time whistle went against Argentina, the Australians just got up, shook hands, high five. There wasn't a huge amount of emotion where I looked where the All Blacks against South Africa, like there was so much emotion showed there. And I thought, well, you don't see that too often in the All Blacks. Like, Kind of makes me think that the Wallabies, the whole time, they know that they were going to the World Cup final. Like they were, they were, they were in the UK for eight weeks just to get to the final. It's part of their job, their mission, as such. So yeah, I think they're really, really in a, in a balanced place. I just feel that they're, you know, I don't know if we can run down an All Black side. So it's so important that we start well. Yeah, I know that you uh, disagreed with that a little bit, Horsey, but I, I really think the All Blacks will try and run the Wallabies off their, their feet a little bit and play a really high-octane style. And that, I mean, they do that anyway, won't they? So they won't really be changing anything too much. But I think they're going to, you know, lots of quick throw-ins, keep uh, the tempo as, as high as possible because I think the Wallabies are, you know, I think mentally no doubt they'll be up for it, but I think they are on their last legs a little bit. They've had such an enormous season of test, uh, test football and, and some of their key players have played sort of every game in Super Rugby. You look at Michael Hooper, guys like that, I think just that edge and freshness is what the what the All Blacks will try and work on, I think. Yeah, I don't think the All Blacks view the Wallabies as an unfit side because we're a very fit side. The Wallabies, I just think they probably view them as uh, certainly not fresh, and I think the Kiwis would be feeling a little fresher. But one one technical difference I do notice that the, I think the All Blacks might uh, be a, a bit shocked by is that you go back to the Sydney test and there was just so much line speed from the Wallabies mm. and they were flying mm. out of line and there was yep. the All Blacks just couldn't get the ball through the hands. They had overlaps, but there was just too much pressure on the, the ball carrier. So I think you go the South Africans play like a bit of a soft drift defence. France, well, they just don't defend at all some days. And yeah. then you come come up against the Wallabies in, all black, uh, in a World Cup final. I think the Wallabies will be flying off the line, Nathan Gray style. So they're going to have to be prepared for that. And I don't know if they're actually... You know, it really challenges your skill set. So that'll be one thing that the All Blacks haven't faced that in the, the World Cup so far. Do you reckon that's their pre-game analysis? Do they go back to that game and say, well, look, this is what's... Do the, does Australia flip that around and perhaps change it up again, knowing that they've already served that up in Sydney? And that Hanson and Co might have looked at it and said, "Well, this is what they're going to do." Do they do something completely different? I mean, that's but that's the level of gamesmanship involved, isn't it? When you get to guys at the top end like this, the two best teams in the world going at it, that would no doubt come into the reckoning. Oh, there's so many things like that, and that's why 
that's the beauty of a really good coaching staff because you know as a player that you don't have to think about that until the Monday. They just give you the game plan for success and you believe in it and you go, yep, we'll do it. So, you know, they might say we're going to kick it out and just slow it down and play as many line-outs as possible. They, the same opposition in two weeks' time, they might say, you know what, we're going to try and play it, kick it down the fullback's throat. So there's so many slight tactics that come into it. Um, I, I figure that the All Blacks would probably back their line-out. I think you'd think back to Sydney and Eden Park. Uh, although we won Sydney and the dominance of Hooper and Pocock, our line-out still struggled. We struggled the following week in Eden Park. So I, I think the Kiwis will want to play a fast-tempo game, but they'll also want to play a bit more set-piece because they'll back themselves there. So, yeah, I'm, it's quite intriguing to see what they come up with. Yeah, the All Blacks line-out's been superb all season, actually. It used to be a, a real area of weakness going back in the day. That there was one area that uh, opponents would target. But, yeah, they've been disrupting opposition ball throughout the tournament. Um, South Africa are one of the best in the business. You had Whitelock stealing the ball off, off the King, Victor Matfield. So, yeah, that, that's definitely going to be an area to attack. And I think the Wallabies, one thing we haven't actually seen going into the tournament, all the talk was around the uh, David Pocock and the, the rolling mall tries that they were scoring off the back of that. We haven't haven't actually seen that uh, since the opening game against Fiji, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if that comes out again, um, they, they try and attack uh, through, through the Pocock Mall again. Well, a lot of that comes down to discipline in team's own half, so they're only going to get that opportunity if they give away penalties 40-50 out in their outside kicking range, and so then the you know the Carter or, or Foley plugs the corner. So, yeah, you can control that to a certain extent, like if you're really disciplined, but the Wallabies will go to it. It's been something that's really successful for the Brumbies and the Wallabies at times. But to be honest, I haven't really enjoyed seeing tries off malls. I think it's probably mm. one thing that World Rugby should look at, just the fact that once it does get set up, it's near impossible to shut down without swimming up the side. And so I don't think people really pay their, you know, their 250-pound to go and see tries scored from, from they do malls. in England they love it over in England yeah well, and, and look where it's got them as a as a country yeah. rugby at the moment yeah. so I think you know I hope the Aussies and the Kiwis go out there and play that you know high paced game that everyone loves to see because they've been they're the best games we want to watch I've got a question for you when was the last time Australia and New Zealand duked it out in the sunshine because it's going to be four o'clock kickoff in Twickenham still twilight I mean that's your twilight zone I'm thinking Richard Lowe Paul Carrozza like back at <laughs> Ballymore yeah, Ballymore something yeah. like that yeah it'd be a long time no 96 they did in the sun over in yeah, Wellington yeah it was a whitewash wasn't it sun in Wellington Tommy we oh, Bowman got a try I think that 98 day. in Christchurch yeah. that's right 98 when yeah. Berkey scored two after 450 phases no a different game. What about Ilzy when he kicked the goal? When was yeah, that? Yeah, 2000. Yeah, 2000, I'll yeah. take the three. Take the three, thanks, Jonathan. No yeah. dramas. <laughs> um, through she goes. 2000, I reckon you're right. I reckon 2000. So I reckon 15 years. Isn't it great? This, yeah, daytime rugby, fantastic. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it's good in some regards, but the fact that we've got to be up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch kickoff. There's been a lot of uh, chat on social media and stuff. It was obviously never going to happen, but uh, trying to change this kickoff time to suit a Australian New Zealand audience, wouldn't that be great? Well, but seriously, though, there's something in that, right? <laughs> at midnight or something. <laughs> no, no, no. Even So if it's a 6 o'clock Sydney kickoff time, right, that's 7 p.m. over there. That's 8 o'clock New Zealand. Why wouldn't you broaden it? South Africa fit in that same time zone. Why wouldn't you kick it off at 7pm in Twickenham? Yeah, the people that organised this World Cup should have had the foresight to see that no, Northern you... Hemisphere are crap. You're not yeah. listening to what I'm saying. I am listening. No, I'm you're just not. choosing to ignore you at the moment because no. you get very angry. 7pm yeah. kick-off there. I yeah. want to watch a World Cup final at a good time. 7 p.m. kickoff their time is six miles. But do you I want the do you want the daytime rugby or in your time zone? You've got to make your mind up here. Do you want... I want daytime rugby. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to be up at three in the morning? Not necessarily, but if you said, do you want to watch a game that's going to be daytime and a better a better chance of you know some little offloads out the back and some pops off the ground, or do you want to sit up at 
and dark and what it's dark, mate. It's it is dark. Morning. It's three in the morning. Sorry, we're talking AEDT or AEST? Don't start I'd just rather see a good quality game. I don't mind waking up at three in the morning. I thought. I, I find it quite exciting seeing all the fans get up and, you know, go out of their normal routine to get a double shot at four in the morning to watch a game. No, of one's, open. no one's doing anything at three in the morning. No one. We had a coffee card out here the other night, so we did. someone's doing something. Only one more game to go, Shawnee. You've got to, dig, you've got to dig deep here, mate. One mate, more game to go. The lack of sleep's really starting to hit me. <laughs> He's angry, folks. He's I am very a angry. little bit worked up, no question. A uh, couple minutes to run here, boys. Give us a man of the match and give us your full-time scoreline as well. Oh, look, I'll, uh, I'll go the sentimental card and I'll, I'll go uh, Richie McCaw standing up uh, in the big big moments, negating uh, the pooper presence, the, what is it, the Fardy poopers, and I'll, I'll go McCaw having a captain's knock in his final test in the All Blacks by, we'll go by 12. I'll go, well, that's 12, wow. I'll go, <laughs> yeah. So arrogant in the Kiwis, aren't they? Good, <laughs> good. Yeah. I will go Matt Gitto to have his best game in Wallaby colour since he's returned. And I'll go the Wallabies to win by five. Okay, I'm going to go Wallabies by three with Tavita Kurandrani to contain Cliff Ben Hill. Smith and have an absolute barnstormer. Just just to go go berserker. Yeah, triple efforts. Triple effort from TK. Just contain go Ben nuts. Smith, he's going to... It's going to take on the full oh, work. Sorry, Comrade Smith, Conrad. my bad. I meant to say Comrade. Oh, I kind of wasn't going to pick you up there because I thought the 13 often tackles the full back. Th- so on a might have been quite, defense, an, so quite an astute. What, did I, cover you there, what yeah. did I say about how much sleep I'd have? <laughs> he hasn't had any sleep, ladies and gentlemen. There's too Thank many you. Smiths in the uh, in the Kiwi team. It must be confusing Aaron for the Smith. commentators. Smith, yeah. Selfie Smith. Smith. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne Smith in the coach's box. That's right, there's four Smiths. A lot of Smiths. Plenty of Smiths in there. I'll tell you what, it's been a wild ride. We will be back at some point to wrap up the World Cup, depending on the result, I think Sammy is probably the key thing here. <laughs> I'm not coming in if I lose. If You're going to boycott. Is, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely, mate. I'll see you. An underarm, throw, underarm bowl this one. I'll, get, I'll get Daryl Gibson and uh, when the All Blacks win, then we'll, we'll have a chat together. Sweet. Yeah. I'll be back for Super Rugby for Australia. Don't win. Uh, if they do, though, hey, I'll be in here with bells on. I'll be doing a jig. <laughs> It'll be five in the morning and you'll be going strong. Be going strong. Where are you guys going to watch it? Uh, good question. Yeah. Any thoughts? TV. Should we watch oh. it together? We're talking about it. We're coming back from the NRC final. We'll get back into Sydney about 10 p.m. Do you reckon we're going to have dinner A-E-D-T. somewhere? DT. I reckon we're going to get some Peking duck somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> some San Choi Bao. Go to Chinatown. Yeah, I presume you're talking Chinatown. And maybe skip back to maybe the cast. Big screen there. Yeah. I saw something on the line today. Is there something going on at Opera House? Is there? I don't know. Was there a tweet today? There Check was some out. sort of announcement today. I haven't yeah. caught up with what actually happened, mate. But are you going to watch it at the Opera House? Is that what uh, you're saying? I think there was something going on there. Check check Twitter. But I I, will, I was thinking the Oak down at Double Bay. That's got it going. Standard. That's like your standard Waratahs. No, not really, mate. I'm from Coogee. That's a very Yeah, but you're eastern suburbs. You're yeah. in that little block. Well, I'd prefer the Pavilion if it was open. The Coogee Bay is a fair chance I'll get assaulted so by a New uh, Zealander. There's dissension in the ranks here. Who's he going to pull rank and uh, decide on the venue? I'm not going to double bay. Okay, <laughs> double pay. Yeah. Yeah. It Let's go expect. to the cast. Okay, the cast. There we go. There we Big go. We win. There. We'll go and play some roulette. There yeah. you go. There you go, punters. Chocolate if you wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Sanchoi Bell. It's all, it's all happening. Fontaine. <laughs> I'm going to be cooking up a hangi here in the Fox Sports. Casino. Casino You're here the whole time. Yeah. 
There you go. Well. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, we have loved having you dialing in and listening to us throughout the last seven weeks of the Rugby World Cup. Good luck to your team, whether it be Australia or New Zealand. And on behalf of Sam Worthington, Stephen Halls, and Dave Dennis too, who's been with us for such large parts of this cup, it is Sean Maloney saying all the very best to you and yours. Let's hope World Cup Final 2015 is an absolute ball terror.